I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Uh, so I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I don't know when always enjoy talking about fintech stuff. Uh, you know, it's a complicated, compliance-filled, messy kind of world, and it makes me all anxious. Uh, I know I've worked in that space before, but I don't know. Uh, it's doubtful it'll happen again. At any rate, uh, I think today's guest uh, convinced me that it was worth digging into. Uh, and I think it's a different look at kind of the, uh, you know, edge of fintech stuff here on maybe a more approachable scale than we often hear about. Um, so uh, first off, my uh, trusty sidekick, Anna, thanks for joining again. Thanks for having me. And uh, our guest today is Barb McLean, Vice President of Integration and Analytics at Solero Solutions. Barb, thanks for coming on. Hey, Anna. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me today. So, Barb, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm a born and raised Prairie Canadian, um, and I've spent my entire career working with Solero. Uh, it's the only real job I've ever had, and we've had a lot of opportunities to do some fun and interesting things working with credit unions over the years. Credit unions are our primary set of customers and indirectly our owners. So um, it's a really interesting space to work in. And, um, you know, I think I get to work with the best team. We have a lot of fun. We do interesting things. So um, it, it's a great spot to be. Yeah, I uh, we were chatting in the green room before, and I probably should have said this before, but um, the fact that you've only worked at one company your whole career kind of freaks me out. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> unusual. There's not a lot of folks out there like me anymore these days. It's true. Yeah. What's the story there? Like, uh, this must be something really great, huh? Well, I think it's probably one of those, you know, your parents uh, imparted some wisdom on you when you were, uh, you know, a kid. And growing up, both of my parents were of the, I work for one company for my entire career, ilk. That was probably imparted on me a little bit. Um, and I think it's also true to say, certainly in the early years of my career, there wasn't a lot of opportunities in tech coming out of Brandon, Manitoba. So what are you going to do if that's a field of interest to you? You've got to kind of find your spot. And I feel like I was really lucky coming into the organization when I did, when I left university, they were just starting to talk about this idea of Solero. And it was the coming together of these five IT divisions to bring economies of scale to provisioning technology to credit unions. And so here I was moving to the big city to get my first job. And they were already starting to talk about this thing that was bigger than I thought I was even joining. It was actually quite exciting. Um, and, you know, we, I, I really have been lucky in that career inside of this one organization that we take on an awful lot for a relatively small company. We're about 250 people uh, working on behalf of credit unions in this space. We actually do an awful lot. And I think maybe punch above our weight, so to speak, for a company of our size. And it really afforded a lot of interesting opportunities and different things that I was allowed to do in my career in the last 20 years. Can you highlight a little bit about sort of the, the job uh, descriptions you've had as you've worked your way to where you are now? 
So I started on the help desk, you know, and, and I think that taught me everything. I didn't know anything about banking at the time. Um, I knew I put my card in the ATM and gave me money back. You know, that's all that I knew. And if you work on the help desk, if you don't quickly figure out who's who in the zoo of your organization and who does what and how it works, well, where are you going to send the tickets to to get resolved? You can't do your job if you don't understand that. It was a really good start for me to understand, you know, how we served credit unions, how we worked as an organization. Um, from there, I went on to do a bit of sort of business analysis and QA, uh, stepped into a bit of a product role because just there was an opportunity that arose to develop some subject matter expertise on uh, a particularly important core system for us. And uh, from that, moved into working in product. And I think that probably is my one true love. Um, you know, I think I will never get away from wearing that product hat no matter what I do. And I think that's still partially true today. And then started to work with some of our more technical teams. And we were trying to figure out how to respond to the um, desires of our credit unions to not be the slowest cog in their wheel. And so we had this hypothesis that, well, maybe if we choose to work in a different way, we can drive a different outcome and decided to stand up this little sort of self-contained a highly autonomous team of developers to see if we could do differently than we had before. And, you know, nine days later, their first app was ready to deploy. And we went, holy smokes, maybe there is something to this changing your mindset and, and changing the kind of skill set that you decided to bring into your team. And every little thing that we've done in that team has continued to earn us permission to do more. And that's really been the story arc for our team in the last five years is, just that consistent, constant delivery of new value, and that'll continue to get you to new spaces, and that takes us to today. So, um, I feel like this is one of those stories that, like, we easily get sucked into. Like, you know, uh, me starting uh, also in um, like IT help desk kind of stuff, right? Like, uh, I love the the journey of ending up, and you're totally singing my song with ending up in product. But I gotta ask, like. We're on an API show. How did you end up here? So a few years ago, um, I, we actually, and I, I sort of had a revelation on uh, Houston, we have a problem. So it was both a technical and a business challenge. And it'll be no surprise probably to listeners to who have played the same game as we are to say, I've got all of these legacy systems and we're really having a hard time making sure that the data moves between them. And we were just staring down this pile of, you know, an exponentially increasing number of point-to-point -point integrations. And we're like, this is not sustainable. We, we can't do this. We can't technically manage this. The business model for this makes sense for none of us. We need a new story and plan. And so we decided at that point, we had BB, you know, we, we need to go and build our own integration platform, kind of that one single place where we're managing this, but it's got a consistent and more modern tech stack, uh, something that we can actually effectively manage on behalf of all of these credit unions, because part of our role is to enable their choices. Uh, as much as credit unions um, like to work together, it's one of the cooperative principles that drives cooperatives is cooperatives helping cooperatives. Um, but ultimately, they're all independent financial organizations and make their own decisions. So we need to position ourselves to enable those choices. How can we effectively do that if we don't have a platform to do it? Uh, so that was the decision at that time. And so we went down this road of building a platform for ourselves, something we as an organization had never done before. 
we had never really focused on, uh, you know, building out uh, APIs that we would then create and manage. So it was an entirely different skill set than we had ever undertaken before. And, uh, you know, we really are fortunate to work within this set of customers who are so supportive of the work that we do. They were with us in lockstep all the way along. Um, and it continued to follow that same path where we had proven success already. Do good work. Prove that the use cases you're focused on first are actually going to do the thing they were asked of. And people will ask you to do more. And so the next springboard for us was uh, fleshing out that API platform to support new digital banking applications that credit unions were trying to totally reinvent their member experiences. I need a new app to lay on top of all of this. And so it was like, you know, the, the traditional building the wings onto the plane as you're flying it kind of stuff, uh, where we were not only uh, running the platform, but building it out to support this uh, completely different scale of use case than we had maybe necessarily imagined when we started. And, um, you know, Canada's not unique in going through a complete transformation of financial services. We're working on payments modernization. Uh, you know, open banking is going to come. Every credit union is trying to reinvent their member experience to be that more relevant, always on personalized experience. And, you know, you can't do any of those things if your data is still trapped in all of their traditional silos. So we've been really fortunate. I think that we had a bit of that foresight that we would need to be here now that we're here today uh, because we're not caught flat footed trying to be responsive along with credit unions to what um, you know, members modern financial services expectations are. What's your advice for people needing to make that pitch? Right. What if people are, are trapped right now? Uh, I mean, that's a big undertaking. You have to start small. You know, if you're staring down this future, if we were looking at ourselves kind of seven years on thinking, how do you get there? Uh, you, would you would be paralyzed probably with fear, concern, risk that you're trying to mitigate. You have to start small. Um, I think there's also a bit of a mindset on, we don't necessarily know how we're going to get there, but we're very confident that, you know, kind of as we start small and grow it, that we will get there because that's actually the the muscle memory we've proven to ourselves, start small, continue to build, make sure you're getting that feedback from customers that it was what they wanted. Um, so I, I think, you know, that story of somebody's got to have a little bit of courage to take that leap. You have to be surrounded by a team that you trust and that they trust you, that you can get to that end, but don't try and build the whole darn thing from the start. You'll never be successful if you're trying to solve for everything from the beginning. You can't possibly know everything from the start. That's the best advice. You don't actually know, and that's okay. But if you trust yourselves enough, if you empower yourselves enough, um, you you will find the right ways to get there together. Yeah, I've, I've heard this concept described as like, just build the existence proof. Give people the sense that, yes, this is possible in small uh, portion, and that you can then kind of fan out and scale from there. <laughs> And yeah, don't boil the ocean. I think, I don't know, seems like every other episode we have that, that phrase in there. <laughs> uh, so that certainly lines up with what we hear a lot. Um, you mentioned, uh, as you guys are looking at building out this, this new platform that kind of more consistent, um, you know, kind of mechanisms rather than the sprawl of integration. Um, what have you done to kind of make sure that things are like, what's different about this new platform? Besides, presumably, it's, you know, newer code and all that stuff. What's making it more consistent for you? 
I think because we had a deliberate home and a deliberate home team, uh, that that was the thing that they cared about. Um, it was a side of a desk project for people in the past. You know, oh, I have a vendor that gave me a small tool that allows me to do this. And when I get this kind of a request to plug thing A into thing B for a customer, this is what I know to do. But it was never their primary purpose. I think giving that purpose to a team is, was really stop one for us to say, you know, this is what you do and we're asking you to do it really well. Uh, so that was probably the first stop for us. We also started to make some more, I think, then strategic decisions to say any new integrations will use this platform. And so, you know, you have to start to draw some lines in the sand for yourself and your organization on, you know, there's going to be a time where doing things the old way don't make sense anymore. And we've probably actually had a series of those, but making those deliberate strategic decisions to say it doesn't make sense for us to try and, you know, extend a thing that can't be extended. We've got a way better capability over here. Here's a new project or series of initiatives now that will leverage it as well. Um, so it's it's almost like a series of decision points along the way to go, okay, now this one makes sense to take on and put it in this new platform that we've built. Yeah, uh, that's the sort of stuff that works uh, in the sense that um, we hear this a lot too. Uh, you can certainly go like Boy Scout the thing and try to you know do your best, but somewhere along the line, you need that sort of leadership buy-in and kind of the mandates, right, for, uh, for backing support for these things. I mean, I suppose with VP in your title, you're playing a big role in that. But I'm curious, like, it, it seemed like you mentioned, you know, getting some of these smaller things done, built the confidence to make the bigger decisions. Like, uh, but I'm with Anna, like, you know, how, do you, how did you drive those things home, right? Um, what are the specific sort of value points or whatever that made sense at each of these steps? Um, yeah, I, I think we had supportive, um, leadership to drive the decisions to say, this makes sense for us now to start this work, but we were also, you know, really blessed to be working with this group of customers that are very supportive of us as an organization. It was working in lockstep together to your point on buy-in and support and desire to invest, to do something something different and better because we all knew what we were doing wasn't the answer. So uh, being able to make those early proof points along the way really helped um, aligning the underlying value proposition that, you know, you can't layer on a new experience. Uh, you can't build the house if you don't have the plumbing essentially was the story. And everybody certainly recognized that that was true. I think we also, um, because we work on so many of these initiatives together with our clients uh, repeatedly, we had enough stories of where what we were doing wasn't working. And we kept reminding each other of those things to be like, hey, remember when Apple Pay needed the email address and we couldn't get it because it was locked in a silo? You know, I think you start to remind yourselves of why you need to do these and then use those as the examples. Hey, if we choose to start to build this another way and we actually, you know, sort of wrap one of the stored procedures of the core in a different way because we can, well, look, like a week later, the developer's gone and he surfaced that up to show you how easy it is if you just choose a different path. So it was really about unlocking thinking, allowing uh, people to be super creative with how they seek the answers to those problems. 
it's really been a blessing for me to work with these kind of teams and, and the individuals that I do get to work with because they are super creative. People that don't work with these teams don't understand how creative developers are. I think there's this complete, you know, urban legend about how black and white and, you know, um, there, there's just a, a complete misrepresentation of how software development works, actually. And until you get to be embedded in working alongside those teams, you don't see it. Um, but literally the most creative people I've ever worked with. I don't know that there's ever been a problem that we've been asked to solve that we haven't at least surfaced a potentially plausible solution for, because you just can't stand to see those problems go unsolved. And that tends to be, at least in my experience, the sort of people that are attracted to working with these teams. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I hold the often unpopular opinion that, um, developers are just another type of creatives, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm with you on this one. I, I think the notion that this is some sort of, you know, cold analytical, mathematical, you know, we all just build algorithms for a living. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, you give 10 developers the same problem and you've got 10 different solutions. It's inherently creative. Um, I guess in, in terms of assembling that team, you know, kind of the tip of your spear for this transformation is that the kind of things that you were thinking about or were there other sort of skill sets that you were looking for? So I actually joined the team along the way as a member of the team. And, you know, it was either that fate happenstance luck, some confluence of all of those that that started this for us. We ended up with a really great core group of people, a couple of super strong senior devs and a, you know, really motivated BA to work with them and sort of myself from the product view to drive. This is what we think the customers are telling us that they want. Um, so I didn't have the opportunity to necessarily build the team from the very beginning, but at least work with them. And, um, you know, that that team had such a culture of acceptance of new people joining us. Because of course, a team of four people can't necessarily sustain this on their own. You're going to end up bringing new people as you go. And that, I think, is one of the most consistent cultural threads that we have benefited from is we've been so accepting of new people to come and join us. And those people really, in most cases, have been additive to that culture. So we have a consistent thread of all of that. But then we've had this sort of series of comers and goers who have then added their own flavor and flair to how we do our work. The other thing that I think has been really consistent is just, you know, choosing to work in the way that makes sense at the time and then giving the freedom to the team to do that, not being, um, you know, sort of a dictating process or, you know, a process document says that you should approach it in this way always approaching things that made sense at the time, whether it was for the, the you know, work that we're being asked to do, whether it was because of the shape of the team and the individuals in it at the time, but just always sort of shifting and morphing and uh, figuring out the right way to, to approach how the work gets done and giving yourselves the freedom to actually change consistently. So, you know, when your environment is co constantly changing around you, you, I think, have to then be constantly changing how you do your work. Because if you're sort of locked into this is the only way, um, to, for us, that hasn't been successful. That's for sure. Yeah, we've heard this one over and over again, Anna, right? That like, uh, how much has, has Barb talked about tech here so far and like the technical challenges? It's all well, culture. Yeah, people and culture. That's, uh, well, and just the mindset too, right? Like, mm -hmm. 
that change is possible, especially in an older, more entrenched industry. Um, and I've worked in those. There's no no stones cast. Um, what was I, I guess, Barb? You're kind of telling the story of progression that you know you got the right people and they've got the right mindset, and you you kind of have these existence proof moments, and you're building up. What was kind of the the big scary step in this uh, in this progression? Like where they're sort of big moments where you really had to go big? Not really. Um, you know, I think I remember the night that we deployed the um, first set of digital banking APIs that we'd been working on for several months. Um, but it actually was kind of unusual for us to have those big moments. I mean, you know, the first production deployment of anything, that was a big first for us. Um, and we got a few things wrong there. You know, I think people don't always want to admit out loud that things went wrong. Things absolutely went wrong. If people are telling you they didn't do anything wrong along the way, they're totally lying. The point is to learn from those things, right? Hey, we made a mistake deploying it like this. Let's never do that again. And here's how we can approach it better. Um, but, you know, because we have always chosen to work in pretty small increments, actually, you never end up with these big moments, which is, I think, kind of deliberate. One of the bigger decisions, though, more recently was um, as an organization, Solera was getting out of the data center business. So all of the teams, of course, are then start to be asked, what are you going to do with all their workloads? They can't live there anymore. They have to go somewhere else. And so for us, it was almost an obvious and immediate decision. We're going to go run in a public cloud. We are you know, sort of Microsoft folk here, so we're all team Azure. And that was the decision. Let's go put our workloads in Azure. Um, and it wasn't just a lift and shift, right? There's obviously many kind of paths and permutations of doing that that you can follow. But for us, we said, well, if we're going to go to all this effort of, you know, moving and testing and doing work, why not actually set our, our credit unions and ourselves up better for the future and sort of build a new future ready platform? And that actually was probably one of the bigger things, but I would say for me, maybe one of the easiest decisions I've made to say, we're going to literally go and rewrite this platform from scratch. And here's why it makes sense. Because we can take advantage of the most modern tools that are out there. We can you know, ride the wave of billions of dollars in investment that we obviously as a small organization could never hope to match. Um, it's become really important and I think actually a bit of a recruitment tool for us really to say, hey, devs, like we're giving you literally the best tools that are available. Come come work with us because you can work in this now completely modern stack. Um, and so I think in terms of big moments, that was certainly one of them, but it was big, but easy. Literally probably one of the easiest decisions of my career actually to say, we're going to go do this. We're going to go rewrite it from scratch because it's the right thing to do and it sets us up well for the future. How long ago was that, that kind of the decision point came up? Uh, that's probably about 18 months ago, I think. Um, and, you know, I think for us, we really started the work in earnest, you know, probably halfway through last year and started to get some of our production workloads running early Q1 of this year. So, again, trying to choose these small increments. Um, you know, we do work in a highly regulated, highly risk averse industry. And that does, because we grew up out of it, inform some of our culture as well. So taking those small uh, incremental paths to going, okay, we're going to do this one first because it might be a little less impactful, you know, shows true value to a customer, but we're not going to blow our brains out and try and, you know, lift everything and deploy it in one night. That would be a little bit crazy. 
Yeah, and kudos to you for not doing the lift and shift thing. I've seen that stuff before where it's like, oh, let's not run a data center. It'll be cheaper in the cloud. It's like, surprise, it's probably not if you don't adapt the workload. Um, so, I mean, uh, yeah, one, 18 months ago, so call it, you know, uh, what, twenty beginning of 2021-ish, uh, probably, uh, you know, an easy one in the sense of like, hey, cloud's where it's at, you know, newer stack, like, yeah, it's time, folks, right? Um, where do you think within kind of this this journey within the organization is has the kind of recognition already hit that that this feels right now, uh, or do you feel like you're still kind of working through resistance? I think there is um, additional mindset shift happening in a, in our organization, and then out across kind of the ecosystem that we work. I would say I think we still have a bit of a self-perception and maybe it's, you know, perception's reality, but maybe it's not true, but that we're a bit different. We still operate a little bit differently than a lot of our colleagues do. But on the flip side, um, a lot of our colleagues are still then entrenched with trying to operate mainly legacy systems. And so we're that very typical kind of bimodal, if you follow the Gartner, you know, parlance organization, we have things that need to move at different speeds. And we're allowed to move at one speed, and it actually suits our style of work best and the kinds of things we're trying to do. People are showing up all the time to say, I have this problem, can you help me solve it? It's not a tool or a product that we have. If you're going to solve that problem, you got to go build something new. It's a very different style of work and a different mindset than you know, here I go and I run this batch and, you know, there's there's um, a completely different um, kind of capability and, and approach that you're trying to drive when you live in those worlds. They are a little bit, you know, kind of like two different worlds, honestly. And so, um, you know, sometimes there's a rub there inside the organization on we work one way and you work another. But I think there's also an acceptance of it. And as long as you're still proving kind of the value that the customers are trying to derive out of that part of the business. Um, everybody recognizes that it's actually okay that you don't necessarily all approach it in the same way. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to, I think, um, blaze the trail a little bit. We're okay being the trailblazers in terms of our organization um, because we've shown that that's a path that we can be successful. And there are then breadcrumbs that we're leaving for the folks that are following the trail behind us. So you went from this mode of, of you know, you, you had lots of ways to integrate and now kind of APIs are, uh, you know, the, the front edge of that or the way that you're doing things. Um, in terms of kind of standardizing or, you know, all this kind of stuff, I assume there are, you know, a significant number of teams and, you know, how are you kind of making sure that you maintain this consistency going forward in terms of process and tools? We're fortunate as a small organization, we're um, still the one team that's doing this. So um, our approach is the approach right now. Um, and you know, I think what we're wanting to ensure is that as others then are going to use these capabilities, we're treating those internal customers, so to speak, the same as we would treat our external customers. Hey, you know, here's this API and here's the specification. And you know, we may have an SDK that you know, suits your development environment better uh, or not, but, you know, not necessarily um, changing the approach that we've got to say this team leads it, this team builds it. Uh, we're the ones with the expertise. And yes, you can be consumers of it, 
And yes, we may actually find that um, there's an interest inside the teams for um, tours of duty, so to speak, on you're going to come help us build. But because we're a small organization, we're fortunate in that um, that governance overhead hasn't come to uh, need to look different today. Um, so that's been one of the benefits of not only a small company, but, you know, sort of a small team. Uh, we can still just continue to make those decisions that make sense for us and our customers in a self-contained way right now. So when I, I guess, is it just this team that's building kind of the, the core of the APIs right now and you don't have a lot of other teams developing APIs as such? Yeah, exactly right. So it's it's us in this team. We're the the only ones that are working in this way. And, um, you know, we we do have intersections back across the organization because, you know, when you're the the plumbing in the middle, in some way you either rely on them or they rely on you. So one great example there for us is, of course, one of the primary systems we actually integrate back to is our core banking system that we provide for credit unions. The responsibility for that core banking system lives in another part of the organization. Um, but we we sort of play in that gray zone where we actually understand the APIs that have been provided by the vendor of that system better than the team that runs it. They've never really needed to dig in deep like we did. Uh, and so we sort of cross over with each other in terms of these are the APIs that are provided for this software. But the, you know, sort of running management upkeep release cadence of that system is belongs with this other team. On the flip side, our colleagues over in uh, the digital banking part of the business are 100% reliant on us. They really don't have a product if it doesn't intersect back with the data in the core banking system. And so it's this really great symbiotic collaborative relationship inside. We all sort of stay in our lanes to a degree, but there's also these key points of intersection between all the teams on, I can't do my thing without you. So, Barb, normally this is the part of the episode where I ask folks, uh, you know, hey, you got a big complicated thing. If you did it all over again, where would you start? Um, but I feel like, you know, you're just at the beginning of a bigger journey here and uh, and you're still in that magic moment of a single team um, that's that's deliver delivering all the APIs that doesn't last forever. Right. Um, so I'll frame it a different way is like rolling the clock back two years, like. Um, is there anything that you would have done different looking back to kind of avoid some pitfalls in this, these early steps? You know, some of the things I think that we learned were um, if you're the folks that have been early in that curve of shifting mindset, you need to consistently remind yourself that not everybody's there with you and you have to take them with you. Um, and that is definitely applicable sort of internally for us and our colleagues. It's definitely applicable as well for us and our customers. Um, we were probably ready to move and deploy things and use them and run them into production way before, you know, most of everybody else that's then in the ecosystem with us. So it's that bring people along the journey with you is definitely one of those things. Um, I think we've also learned that um, the pressure of delivery uh, doesn't necessarily mean um, blowing your brains out on scaling up people to do the work. That's actually been a learning along the way there as well on how to balance, you know, capacity versus delivery. And are you always making the right decisions there? I don't think we've always made the right decision there. Um, you know, knowing that it's a single team, we are definitely the small team sport, you know, mantra kind of folks, small teams win. 
and we believe that truly. And I think we're at that interesting juxtaposition in time and growth, because exactly as you say, this probably won't continue to sustain us forever in the future. And so we talk a lot about, you know, how are we actually then going to grow the team? What does that actually look like? Um, so, you know, it's this kind of beautiful spot, as you say, uh, small number of people, we all know each other, we all know our own quirks and sort of who works best or how, how that all, all works. And it'll be quite different, I think, to look back on ourselves even in a year's time on, remember when we were still that one team. Uh, and now there's more of us and it's great, but it'll certainly be, be different looking back in a year's time, I think. Uh, I would certainly offer the advice from folks who've kind of scaled out programs as like, keep the small team and change its purpose, right? Um, I think in the early days, it's like, you're there to build all the APIs to set the example for everyone else. And the shift at some point becomes, what, uh, what's the, how do, what is the standardized approach so that we can hand off the development to a bunch of other teams and really just kind of curate those mechanics? Um, so I would love to hear about how that transition goes uh, <laughs> down the road in the next year or two. I'd love to have you back and see where you're at in that journey. Thank you. Yeah, it would be a real pleasure. And Anna, remind me of your cat's name. Oh, this is Sleeves. Okay, that's Sleeves. I couldn't tell them apart. Um, I feel like we have to thank Sleeves today. Uh, for those of those random few of you who watch this on YouTube, uh, you've been entertained by Sleeves today, and I think he's done a fine job. He's the worst. <laughs> well, Bob, we really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I, I love these stories of kind of, you know, early on, things are messy, you're figuring it out. And I really appreciate your vulnerability on this. I think uh, people love stories of, you know, trial and failure and all the things that you learn from it. And uh, I love that you've been willing to share the messy side of it. Well, thanks for having me here. I love the opportunity to talk about my team and the great work we're doing. So thanks for that. API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, Look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.